This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. All right, so if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're gonna go Old Testament today, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're gonna talk about one of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture. And today, obviously, we're gonna talk about fear. And the goal today is to punch fear in the face. All right, turn to your neighbor, tell him, I'm about to punch me some fear in the face. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell him, let's punch some fear in the face today. Uh, In doing some research, about this topic of fear, did you know there are are hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of scientific fears that we have? Now, we're only born with a couple fears. Like one is like fear of falling. uh, The other one's like fear of loud noises. But there are hundreds of different kinds of fears. So I want to tell you some of these silly fears uh, from the right off the bat. One is the fear, uh, it's called androphobia. That's the fear of men. How many of you ladies suffer from the fear of men? Yeah, like creepy, crazy, nasty dudes, like that, that guy right there. Uh, another one is astrophobia. That's fear of celestial objects, right? Fear of like the sun, the stars, you know, the moon. Like this would be a terrible fear to have because if you're afraid of the moon and you go outside on a nice, like clear night and there's this full moon, you're like, ah, you know, moon kind of thing. So that's, that's not a fun fear. To have another one is acrophobia. Who has this? You know what it is? Fear of heights. Yeah, a lot of people have this fear, this fear of of heights. Another one's acluophobia. Now be honest, how many of you still sleep with a nightlight on? Fear of darkness? That's okay, that's really okay if you do. Uh, The Bible tells us we're called to be children of light, so that's that's fine uh, if you sleep with a nightlight on. Another one is antidephobia. That's the fear of ducks. You gotta watch out for ducks, all right? You never know when a duck is, is looking after or following you. Uh, another one is called calogenophobia. That's the fear of beautiful women. Yeah, see? I scored me some points on that one. And did you know that this is my wife, obviously, and this is the most beautiful woman on the planet, but it's also her birthday today. So if you see her, wish her a happy 23rd birthday. She would love that. Another fear, um, and these are some of my personal fears. One is allurophobia. That's the fear of cats. Anybody else fear of cats? Yeah, this is a holy, godly fear, the fear of cats. Another one is arachnophobia. Yeah, a lot of people fear spiders. They're, They're freaky. They're creepy. They could be on you right now, and you don't even know it. All right? That's how creepy they are. Some of you, maybe people in this room, you have a pet spider. Like, you need to repent. Like, today, you need to come to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. Let him free you from that nastiness. All right, another one, arithmophobia. Fear of numbers. Fear of math. Yeah, yeah, I got that one too. Uh, And one more, uh, maybe you have this fear, many of you do, including my wife, and that is calorophobia, the fear of clowns. 
Anybody fear clowns? Yeah, that is a legit fear right there because we all know that clowns eat children and dropkick puppies, all right? We know that about clowns. Now, those are some silly fears, but there are some very real fears that we have that are represented in this room. It could be maybe you have the fear of loss. Maybe you're afraid of losing something that's important to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you're, you have this fear of divorce. Maybe you've never grown up and you've witnessed what a great marriage looks like and you know everyone you know has gotten divorced. Maybe you have that fear of divorce. Maybe it's fear of failure. Maybe it's fear of regret. Maybe you, you're afraid of getting at you know, the end of your life and not having accomplished what you want to accomplish. Maybe it's fear of embarrassment. Maybe it's fear of, of, of being alone. You have this fear that you're going to live alone, that you're going to die alone. The reality is we all have some kind of fear. We all live with fear. And fear cannot be cured, but it can be defeated. In fact, I want you to write this down. Fear cannot be deleted, but it can be defeated. It cannot be deleted, but it can be defeated. And we know that's true because it rhymes, right? We know that's true because it rhymes. Anything that rhymes is of God. Uh, in other words, fear doesn't go away on its own. It doesn't go away on its own. It is a voracious consumer of the faith in your life. And we all have some amount, some level of fear, something that we struggle with. So today, again, we are going to fight fear. We're going to punch fear in the face. We're going to learn how to defeat our fears. And in the battle, because that's really what we're waging war against fear, in a battle, the, the winner generally is, is the side that has the greatest weapons, the side that has the most weapons, the greatest arsenal. So the other thing I want you to write down is this. The only way to defeat fear is to declare war on it, and worship is our weapon in the war on fear. Write that down. Worship is our weapon in the war on fear. It's the way we fight. It's the way we get on the offensive. It's our weapon in the war on fear. So I'm gonna, I wanna do a couple of things. First, I wanna define what worship is, and then I wanna define what fear is, and then we're gonna look at this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're gonna have a good time. Worship, first and foremost. Worship is more than words. Worship is more than just singing songs. That's a, that's a big part of it, but but it's a lot more than that. Write this down. Worship is placing your faith in who God is and what God's done. Worship is placing your faith, your trust. It's, it's turning your focus onto who God is and what God has done. Like the essence of worship, worship means that, that we take our focus off of who we are and we place our focus and our attention on who God is and what God has done. That's what worship is. Now let's define fear. Because fear is also more than an emotion, like on Inside Out. It's, it's, it's active. Fear is action. Fear is faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. Fear is, is like faith in re reverse. Write this down. Fear is placing our faith in the what-ifs of life. It's believing that the bad thing that could happen, that could potentially happen, is going to happen. That's what fear is. Fear is believing in the worst-case scenario, the, the what-ifs of Life, And if we have faith in God, we trust in God, we understand that he's in control, that he's sovereign, that no matter what happens, happens. That's our faith in God. But fear is placing that faith in, in the wrong thing, in something other than who God is. Worship, placing your faith in God, who he is and what he's done. Fear in the what ifs of 
life. All right, with that in mind, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is a powerful, testi- uh, powerful story in the Old Testament. One of the coolest stories, really, in the entire Bible. We're going to read this story about a guy who suffered from fear. Right? He had this great fear, and, and he had reason to be afraid. And we're going to watch how, how this king, uh, the king of Judah at the time, his name is Jehoshaphat, um, watch how he had, took some practical steps to defeat his fear. Because again, your fears aren't going to go away on their own. Your fear cannot be deleted, but it can be defeated. And worship is the weapon against the war on fear. And we're going to see how it worked for this guy, and I believe it's going to work for us as well. All right, you guys ready? Okay, four of you are ready. Here we go. This is, listen, and I need you to kind of lean into this because this is gonna take a while to get there. We're gonna go through this story and it's, it's gonna go somewhere, I promise. Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse one, says this. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already here, basically, is what they're saying. It's already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Verse 3 says, alarmed, which maybe you have a translation. The NLT says, terrified. Maybe it says, scared. This, maybe it says, freaked out, right? He's scared. He's terrified. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. I want you to underline that word resolved. I promise you that's going to be big. We're going to come back to that word. Resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for Judah. So I want us to know that that Jehoshaphat was terrified. But instead of living in fear, he looks at his fear and then he looks to God. He looks at his fear and then he turns his attention to God. Verse 4, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So immediately, when fear comes, everyone, everyone in this nation uh, turns their hearts towards God. They worship God. Fear comes, everything immediately turns to God. Verse five, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard, and he said this. And I want us to Pay close attention to what he said. We're going to read all of it because everything he says here is worship. Again, worship is your weapon against the war on fear. And this is what he says. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms over the na- of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. So right off the bat, he's recognizing who God is. And what God's done, right? He's he's offering him his worship. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So he's recalling that God's been faithful in the past. He's recalling the, the provision that God's made in the past. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, even if calamity comes upon us, like, it doesn't matter. Even if we die, even if we don't understand, you know, this, this thing that we're facing, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And now, here are our enemies. They're standing, you know, in our backyard. They're ready to attack whose territory 
You would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and they did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possessions you already gave us. This belongs to us. You promised us this in the first place. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army. How many of you would be honest and say there's been times in your life where you'd say, God, I have no power to do this on my own. I can't do this on my own strength. That's what he's saying. We, we don't even know what to do. Even if we could do something, we wouldn't even know where to start. We have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not what, know what to do, but he says, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are fixed on you. We don't know what to do. God, we don't know what to do. The enemy is marching. They're, they're, we can hear the battle cry like warming up. Like, we know they're sharpening their swords right now. They're getting their archers ready. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? We put our eyes, God, on you. We worship you, even though we're terrified. And for these guys, this wasn't about winning. They weren't even thinking about winning. This was about survival. We don't even know what to do, but we're going to worship you Anyway, and it's a good thing they did because as soon as they did, God got involved. You want to hear the rest of the story? Yeah. Okay, good, because I'm going to read it to you anyway. All right, verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and their children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, and the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the Assembly. All right, so this is one of those times where the spirit just falls. This is a prophet of God. He gets anointed and he goes to speak. Speak the, the word of God to these people. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. I want to stop right here. He says, do not be afraid. Do you know the Bible commands us over a hundred times in scripture to do not be afraid. A hundred times plus it says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And it also commands us over a hundred times to fear the Lord. So do not be afraid of this thing, but have a fear of God. Do not be afraid on one hand, but fear the Lord. This is what I want to say. When you have a right view of who God is, when you have a holy, reverent view of who God is, then you'll have a right perspective on your fear. You don't have to be afraid. That's what worship does. That puts the right perspective on this thing, this circumstance, this situation that you feel like you know, you're, you're terrified of, you're afraid of, but when you worship God, you take your eyes off of this thing and you place them on that thing. And your worship of God, you just remember that there's nothing that I can't do without God, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that my God is a mighty warrior. You take your view off of this thing and you place it on that thing, you place it on God. God. Can I get you guys to respond today in this church? Because it gets lonely up here sometimes. And I need to feel like you're following me because I want you to get this story like I feel it. I need you to grab a hold of this. This is an unbelievable story. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours. It's God's. If you're afraid today, there might be a good chance that you've placed your faith in the wrong thing. 
and not in the right thing. This battle that you're facing is not yours, it's God. And you know what? You can substitute any word in that battle. You can say for this wayward child who is sinning, who's outside of your will, God, is not mine, but it's God's. This addiction that I face is not mine, but it's God's. This cancer that I face is not mine, but it's God. This battle, this fight is not yours. Oh, you're gonna get excited now. Okay, that's all right. And I haven't even got to the good parts. The good part's coming. You ready? Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. He's still worshiping. I, lo I love this. This is not a story about a fight as much as it is a story about worship. He bows down with his face to the ground. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they fall down too. And they worship the Lord. So while they're praising, while they're worshiping God, meanwhile, the enemy's still coming. Meanwhile, they're still marching towards them. Verse 19, then some Levites and Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. Now, your translation might say they shouted, they yelled. Ball, we don't even know what they said, but we know it was loud, right? We know they could have said, you know, God help. God rescue us. You know, maybe they pulled a Joshua and the wall of Jericho and they just, they just yelled, ah! Sometimes a, a guy's got to yell, ah, right? Yeah. Some of you, you need to adopt that kind of attitude when it comes to your fear. Like you need to look at your fear. You just need to yell at it. You need to say, shut up, fear. You got no place, you know, here with me. Get that attitude. Sometimes a guy's got to yell. Sometimes a woman's got to yell. Like, like preach to that fear that's in your life. Speak over that, that fear that's in your life. Early in the morning, verse 20, they left for the desert of Tekoa. So they're praising God. They're worshiping God. Some Levites, you know, some priestly guys, they get up and they, they start shouting, they start yelling. They get up early in the morning and now it's on. Like they're going to meet the, the enemy. They're going for the battle. The battle's coming. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Successful in what? This doesn't look good. Successful in the battle. Successful in the war, verse 21, after consulting the people, and I want to stop real quick. They're getting ready to go into battle. You know what a king's job is? He, he, he's to check on the infantry. He's to make sure everybody, you know, has what they need. He goes to the archers. Are you guys equipped? Are you guys ready to go? Are your swords, swords sharpened, right? He's making sure everybody has what they need. That's what a king's supposed to do. But now this guy, not Jehoshaphat. Watch what he does. Jehoshaphat appoints men to sing. Now hold up, like we're going to war. You would think you need to put your, your best fighters, your elite fighters, you know, out on the front line. Jehoshaphat appoints men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They're singing, they're marching to their death, and he puts in front of the lines the worship leaders, the guys with the skinny jeans and the scarves, right? Those are the guys that are leading the way. 
Like they're getting ready to go into war. And we know that the side with the greatest weapons, the biggest weapons wins. Worship is the greatest weapon you have in your war on fear. Jehoshaphat knew that. And so he sends out these guys ahead you know, of the army. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as soon as they do, this is where it blows up. If you've been sleeping, right now is the time to wake up, all right? Because this is where it gets unbelievable. As they began to sing and praise, so they're in battle. Common sense tells you in battle, man, let's, let's draw our swords. Common sense tells you in battle, let's, let's beat them to the punch. Let's get there first. You know, those who, who strike first and, you know, strike hardest, strike fast, let's get there first. That's what common sense would say. But it says, as they began to sing and praise the Lord. As they began to sing and praise the Lord. As they began to sing and praise the Lord. The Lord follows your worship. The Lord always comes after your worship. Worship is the way that you invite God into the middle of the battle that you're facing. It says they're singing and praising, and then guess what? The Lord, the Lord. Worship says, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm about to face, but my fear of God is greater than this fear of the unknown. I'm going to worship him anyway. As he began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. So he got involved. They worshiped. He got involved. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy each other. Are you guys reading what I'm reading? These guys never lifted a finger. They didn't lift a sword. They didn't shoot an arrow. Jehaziel was right. He said, this battle is not yours. It's God's. And God showed up. He followed their worship. He showed up and he defeated the enemy. And these guys stood back and watched it all happen. I love that. They destroyed each other. Verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the de desert toward the vast army, all they saw was the dead bodies laying everywhere. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. So much, the Bible says, that it took them three days to gather it all. That's a big army. That was a big army. That was a big enemy that they were about to face. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barack Obama where they praised the Lord. Just making sure you guys are awake out there, right? You never know. This is why it's called the valley of Barak, which in Hebrew means praise. Then led by Jehoshaphat and all the men of Judah and Jerusalem, they returned joyfully to Jerusalem. The Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple uh, of the Lord with harps and lyres and instruments and trumpets and everybody singing. Before, as they were marching to their battle, it was just some guys, right, singing and shouting, the, the God is great, his love endures forever. Now they got the whole worship band going. They got the drums, they got Dave, they got Mary, they got Zach, they got everybody singing. Everybody's involved in this rejoicing. 
These are some people, and this is what I pray we can learn. These are some people who know where power comes from. These are some people who know they might not be able to delete their fear, but they sure can defeat their fear. And they use worship as the weapon in the war on fear. The fear of God, verse 29, came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. I know that when I'm afraid, man, I look forward to those moments of rest. I look forward to those moments of peace. So we started this story with a threat. We started this story, you know, where there was, there was fear. This, this, this threat of the enemy incited fear. And remember, fear is having faith in the wrong thing. Jehoshaphat, he's afraid. He says, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm terrified. The whole nation is terrified. And they have good reason to be terrified, but they worship God. God shows up and he shows off. And at the end of this story, they have peace and they have rest. I want that. So the question is, church, how do you go from fear to faith? Like, how do you go from this sense of panic to this overwhelming sense of peace? I want to show you through this story four things. Write this one down. Faith replaces fear, but not without a fight. Faith can replace your fear, but it's going to take a fight. Look at verse 3 again. Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. I said we're coming back to this. This is not passive. This is not Jehoshaphat sitting back and saying, oh, well, I guess it's over. Here comes the enemy. He is worshiping God. This is active. He says, we are at war, this is a fight, and faith replaces fear, but it's going to take a fight. I heard a guy say that you, can, um, you can't replace fear until you face your fear. I love that. You'll never be able to replace your fear until you face it. It doesn't do any good to sit back and run from your fear, because when you come back, it's still there. It doesn't do any good to ignore it and to take a little vacation because when you come back, oftentimes that fear has grown, right? It's grown teeth. It's getting bigger and bigger. And you got to face that fear if you want to replace your fear. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Maybe some of you, and I don't know, but maybe you're afraid of dying. Maybe you're afraid of, of living alone. Maybe you are afraid of your spouse cheating on you or taking off and leaving. Maybe it's, maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a, a doctor's report. Like, what are you afraid of? You name it. You need to replace that fear with faith, but it's going to take a fight. And then he says this in verse 3, because this is where I believe for Jehoshaphat it all goes right. One word, this anchor word, and that is he resolved. He resolved. You know what was resolve is? It's, resolve is, is making this dis, decisive um, decision. Resolve means I'm, I'm going to firmly decide on a course of action that I'm going to take. Jehoshaphat decided. He resolved. He said, I'm going to look at this fear, and then I'm going to look at God. And I'm going to look at this fear, but I'm not going to live in this fear. He resolved to do something about it. And he worshiped God in the middle of it. If you resolve to replace your fear, that's a great place to start, but it's going to 
come with a fight. It's gonna come with a fight. Winston Churchill, he was the only guy, um, the only leader of a European nation to stand up against Hitler. Did you know that? All these other European nations, they're scared, they're folding. In fact, our own U.S. ambassador like, was scared to do it. And he was the only guy that decided he'd stand up against the Nazi regime. And when he died, one of his greatest fears, he said, was that he didn't do enough to save the world from the Nazis. And there's this quote that he has, and I love this quote. It says, if you find yourself going through hell, by all means, keep going. Like, don't stop there. Now, I think some country artist has ripped that off, right? Maybe you know that song. I don't know it. But if you find yourself going through hell, don't stop. Don't pitch your tent there. Don't take up residence there. By all means, he says, keep going. It's going to take a fight, you guys. But if you want to replace your fear with faith, it's going to take a fight. And something else we see in this story is that before even going into battle, they worship. Write this down, worship before the fight. Worship before the fight so you can remember God's promises. When you're afraid and when you're, when you're letting the what-ifs drive you, like you're, you're looking for the worst-case scenario, when you're, when you're afraid, you're waiting on the doctor's report, you're waiting on the oncology report, you're waiting to see you know, if your spouse is going to serve you divorce papers through the attorney. When you're afraid, worship before the fight. And that enables you to remember God's promises. This is what it looked like in verse 7. Jehoshaphat says, Did you not, God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham? He's remembering God's past faithfulness. He's remembering the promises of God. I know a guy that says God's past faithfulnesses are the best predictor of his future faithfulness in your life. And that's so true. Remember the promises of God, worship before the fight. Don't be reactive to your fear, but get in front of it. Like, lead the way with worship. How do we do that? By living a life of worship. By living a life of, of, of a holy fear of God, praying, singing, remembering how he's been faithful in your past. That keeps our fears in front of us. Your praise is the preemptive strike against the, the war on fear. So strike first. Strike first. Worship God first. Worship before the fight. Then we see that they worshiped in the fight. Write that down. Worship in the fight to remain in God's protection. They worship before the fight to remember God's past faithfulness in their life. But now they're in the fight, so let's worship to remain in his protection. Look at verse 21. As they went out ahead of the army, they sang, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. They're going into to the battle. The fight is on, but they're singing. They're praising. They're continuing to worship during the battle. Worship is an act of war. When you decide, you know, we're going to worship God, you are declaring war. When you decide personally that you're going to worship God, you're declaring war on your own self-sufficiency. You're declaring war on the lies that you've bought into, that you're not good enough, that you're not capable. When you worship God, you're declaring war, and that's what they did. They worshiped during the fight, wanted to remain under God's protection, and then we see they worshiped after the fight. That's the last one I want you to write down. They worship after the fight to rejoice in God's provision. 
Here's the thing. You can't just ask God to show up, but then forget to thank him when he does. See, they understood that just because God showed up and he showed off and there was a miracle that happened in their life, that they continued to rejoice in what God had done. Don't just thank him for, you know, ask him for a miracle, but forget to thank him. Verse 26 says this. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the valley of praise. So after the battle, after the fight, after God had showed up, they continued to praise. They're still praising. The victory was won. They spent three days collecting their spoils, right? But they don't forget God. They praise him. In your life, here's what I know. You are either in a fight right now, and maybe there are those of you in this room that you're in a fight. Maybe you're in the fight of your life. Or you're getting ready to fight, or you're coming out of a fight. Very rarely do we find that thing that we're looking for, those seasons of peace and rest in our life. But when they come, man, we're blown away by them. But you need to learn how to worship God in every season. Before the fight, during the fight, and in the fight. Are you worshiping God? Worship is the way we wage war against the fear in our lives. And they worship God. They rejoiced in him uh, for the provisions. They didn't say, you know, the fight's over. Look at what we did. They said, look what God did. They knew that God showed up. They knew that that God fought this battle for them, that it wasn't their battle to begin with, that God fought it for them, and they rejoiced in God's provision. Here's what I want you to think of it as. Think of rejoicing as reloading. Think of rejoicing as setting yourself up for the next fight, for the next battle, because it's coming and you're going to need it. Think of rejoicing as reloading, not your guns, you know, but, but your soul, your state of mind. Think of rejoicing as putting God in his rightful position in your life, of worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. Think of it as reloading. Why, why would we do that? Here's why. The Bible tells us that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to face times where the enemy seems to be surrounding you on all sides. They're on your back door right now. In this world, you will have trouble, but he says, take heart for he's overcome the world. So take heart. So you can worship God. It really doesn't matter the season that you're in. You can say, God, we don't know what to do like King Jehoshaphat, but our eyes are on you. Fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. We said before that that worship really, or fear is based on two words. What if? God, what if, you know, this bad thing that could happen happens? God, what if, you know, this is the worst case scenario. What if I think your faith, you replace that, that what if of fear with the even if of faith. Here's what I'm saying. God, even if this thing destroys me, I'm going to worship you. God, even if 
I can't see my way out of this thing. I'm going to worship you anyway. Even if my spouse leaves me, I'm going to worship you anyway. God, even if this terrible thing that could happen happens, I'm going to worship you anyway. My eyes are fixed on you in Jesus' name. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? Stand to your feet this afternoon. And here's what I want us to do. Just in a spirit of prayer, go ahead and bow your heads all over this room. Maybe today you're facing a great fear. Maybe you're in the fight of your life. God wants to remind you today that worship is your greatest weapon in that fight. And you need to worship in all seasons, in all circumstances, in all situations. You just decide that you're going to worship God, the creator of the universe. And it's going to allow you to remember how he's been faithful in your past. You're going to remember how he's delivered you. If nothing else, you're going to remember that he has saved you. That you have a new life in Christ. If nothing else, be grateful. Be thankful for that. Then you're also going to remember that as you worship, you remain in his protection. You remain his child no matter what. That God loves you. That he has a plan for you. A plan not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. He loves you. And then you're also going to remember after that victory comes that you can rejoice in the provision that he's given you. Worship is how you defeat the fears in your life. God, I pray right now for those in this room that would say, Jesus, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. You have my full attention. You have my worship. No more am I going to put my, my faith in the what ifs or the things that, that could be or might be, but I'm going to put my faith in the, the solid foundation in the rock of Jesus Christ. And today, Jesus, once again, I remember all that you've done for me. Help me, God, to punch that fear in the face. Help me, God, to remember all that you've done in my life. Now, while we're praying, with every head bowed, eyes closed, maybe today you're in this room and you haven't given your life to follow Jesus yet. And fear has been driving you. Fear has been dictating your every move. Fear has gripped you. And you need to be set free. You've been living your life by the what ifs. By the what ifs. Today, I want you to know, I believe Jesus has brought you to this place so that you could let go of that fear, that you could place your faith in him. You could replace all that fear with faith in Christ. The way we do that's through prayer. It's never been about church attendance or religion. It's always been about this deep relationship that God wants to have for you. For God so loved you that he gave what was most valuable and precious to him was his son. That as you call on the name of Jesus, as you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that you would be saved. That's what the Bible tells us. So today, maybe you were brought here, invited here, but it's God's spirit that's been speaking to you. And today you need to cross that line of faith once and for all and commit your life to follow him. The way we do that is through prayer. I'm gonna pray that prayer with you in just a moment. And when I do, you say, Colby, count me in on that prayer. Colby, I, I, I'm all in. I surrender it all to Jesus today. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand wherever you are in this room? Say, when I pray that prayer, Colby, count me in. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Keep it up high. Keep it up high. That's surrendering to Jesus. God, I pray right now for those in this room, pray this prayer with me and pray it out loud. You can whisper in your heart, Jesus, today I surrender. Jesus, today come into my life and make me new. Thank you for dying for me and forgiving my sins. Today I have no more fear 
my faith is fully placed in you. Jesus, your Lord and Savior of my life, I pray in your precious name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate big with those that today replace their fear with faith in Christ. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatetheory.tv.